Hey everyone, this is fundraiser Maeve, aka Maeve Strathy, chair of AFP Greater Toronto Chapters Fundraising Day 2019, and I'm delighted to present a podcast from one of many amazing presentations this past fundraising day. What you're about to hear is Ignite Their Passion, the Resurgence of Values-Based Marketing. This was presented by Farah Rooney and Chris Carter of Candela Strategies, and in this session they spoke about values-based marketing, just like the title. Corporations used to partner with charities when they wanted to do social good, but now they're increasingly doing it on their own. This is a good thing, but it's shifting part of the charitable pie towards the corporate sector. So in order for charities to stay competitive, we need to understand values-based marketing, especially as the demographics of our donor base shifts. This is critical information for all fundraisers to hear. So without further ado, Farah Rooney and Chris Carter with Ignite Their Passion, the resurgence of values-based marketing. Okay, we're on mic, so hopefully this is good. All right, uh, thank you very much for having us today. So we're gonna be talking about a values-based marketing, and a lot of people will often ask us to say, hold on, what's this got to do with fundraising? You're doing lots of corporate examples, what's happening? And for us, and I don't know if you've noticed it, we, we, we often do other talks which we refer to as the disruption, this conversation that we have. I know there was lots of focus on disruption at last year's AFP, but really getting to understand what's been happening over the last 20 years or so, if not longer. If you've probably noticed, and we'll put lots of examples up of this, corporations have suddenly started saying, wow, social values, doing good, altruism, wow, that's really important. We can make tons of money. And it started off where it was a kind of a like, We'll partner with you. Yes, you can. We'll collect money on your behalf at the till, and we'll start doing this. And it was kind of more of like this partnership model. But what's happening more and more is corporations, social enterprises, others are starting to just do it themselves. So you may have noticed, no, they're not asking you to partner with them anymore. They're creating their own foundations. They're starting to do things. So clearly, if we're trying to target people as fundraisers, altruism, also younger generations, and we'll talk about why this kind of marketing is crucial for younger generations. It's utterly crucial to understand why this marketing is working, where it's coming from, because at the end of the day, people are generous, people have a limited amount of money to spend. If they can buy a pair of shoes, and the pair of shoes have been advertising really well about all the great social good they're doing, they're gonna be like, yeah, I already gave today, I bought those great pair of shoes. So if you're wondering why maybe the sector is struggling to do fundraising in some areas, part of the reason is this. Suddenly, maybe we haven't really realized that we're actually in heavy competition with you name it, take your pick, Nike, Airbnb. You're giving it all away. I'm You'll giving it all it. away. You'll see some examples <laughs> You'll down see some the road. Examples. <laughs> but take your pick that now as a sector, we are actually full on in competition. And it's not necessarily because corporations are pausing going, we need to crush those charities. Absolutely not. They are just understanding that social good is important. Millennials, younger generations want to have an experience and care. They are far more progressive, which we'll also talk about. You name the issues. So they want to be doing good with all their purchases. So it's just our corporations understand that, and we'll explain a bit why that is. And so they're moving in. They're not moving in to destroy anyone. They're moving in to chase the dollars. So that, whether we realize it or not, is suddenly going to make our jobs a lot tougher. So we can actually respond to it, and we'll show you how, and there's actually examples, particularly in the US, we've got some in Canada as well, but other examples of how to respond and actually do values-based marketing. Okay. 
All right. Uh, yeah, so just to introduce us, we already got a bit of an introduction. We're from Candela, a relatively new, even though we've been in the sector for a long time, we're relatively new uh, full service fundraising and advertising. So I'm Chris, I'm the president. I'm Farah. Hi. Hi. Okay, take it away. <laughs> Uh, so we're actually going to go back to the 70s, which is which is kind of fascinating. And the reason we started the, the 70s is, you know, if you were like watching Mad Men and other things, there's, I'm not going to give away the ending, but you'll see that there was very much this cusp, there was this form of marketing that started to take off. And it really has a history lesson starting back then. What was also fascinating, um, it's just thinking a bit more. This is what was starting to happen back there in the 70s. It was shifting away from a product-centric approach to a customer-centric approach. So what that means is, as you'll notice, there was a time when advertising was about, oh, if you buy Coke, it's a wonderful sugary drink. You're gonna enjoy that beverage. It's nice and cold, it's refreshing, it's wonderful. It was very much focused on the product. And there's been a turn, this started the trend of a shift away from that. This is why it's becoming crucial from the nonprofit sector, because they're all now dealing with emotion and values. So it's not anymore saying we've got the best product. If you're Coke, we're better than Pepsi. Absolutely not. It's far more about social justice, values, you care about the environment, you care about all these other issues, and immediately you're starting to think, but hold on, wait a sec, we're the charity, we're doing all this great work, I don't understand why this corporation is coming in and saying these sort of values, this is us. So this is the idea. Um, it's about, uh, so going back to the 70s, the other side of it is also thinking through the time. And one of the reasons we went back is it's kind of ironic because this period in the early 70s when it started popping up, was very similar to what we're dealing with now. So I, we're going to show you an example, and this is probably going to ring some bells. I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees. Feel free to sing along. I'd like to teach the world to sing. Sing with me. So this is early 1970s, and think about the values that they are communicating there. They are doing diversity, justice, harmony, bringing the community together, oh, we're such a happy, peaceful world. Think about this for a moment when you think about the psychology of donors or a, or a person buying something. If they care about these values, we obviously want them to be giving to organizations like ours. But they're thinking instead, yeah, I believe in harmony. I believe in diversity. I want to be on that hilltop living that wonderful lifestyle in the world. So they're suddenly, suddenly now thinking, oh, if I buy Coke, I'm going to get that, that kind of feeling. So suddenly, if you think about it, they're starting to think that way about where they're going to be spending their dollars. And they're going to then get that sort of satisfaction. So just a bit more about Coke. Uh, this was very early 70s. It's been named, you know, 2007 campaign magazine called it one of the best and most influential advertisers of all time. It was ranked by Channel 4 and the Sunday Times one of the 100 best. And it was 
definitely no noted for linking the product with an idea of happiness and universal love. And use as and well. Use. So yeah. again, this is, this is and what's a little frustrating, maybe frustrating is the right term, but when you're working in the nonprofit and charitable sector, you pause and you go like, Coke is selling peace and love and diversity. And you pause and you go, we have that like no tomorrow. So it's kind of, it's kind of like, you know, we are far more positioned to actually be able to say, look, this is the impact. This is what we actually do. So if you care about these values. So however, if you can start seeing, this was just setting the stage for this form of advertising. Next. Oops, sorry. So another reason we picked this time period and what's fascinating is you might start seeing some sort of comparisons to particularly in the US of what is going on. So right at this now. time, <laughs> there was this delightful uh, conservative backlash. Many Americans were particularly in the, you know, this might seem familiar, this is from BBC, saying they were responding to the turbulence of the late 60s by embracing this new form of conservative popul populism. They were sick of what they interpreted as spoiled hippies and whining protesters, and they were sick of an interfering government, and suddenly there was this growth of the silent majority. I don't know, strikes similarities to what's going on, and suddenly Nixon rode this wave of the silent majority. Um, it swept uh, Nixon into power, he began to dismantle the welfare state, he abolished uh, President Lyndon Johnson in the US before, he abol they abolished lots of the social programs, and it was just this kind of building of this response and this new growth of like populism and right wing. So fascinating, lots of comparisons to what we're dealing with today, both in Canada and around the world, definitely in the US. One of the reasons we also said, but growing out of them, there was also an opportunity. Probably everyone's heard of Greenpeace, um, if you haven't, uh, but what was fascinating whether they were intentionally thinking through it or not from we're building a values, but Greenpeace kind of rode this wave. They, they were founded in Canada in 1971, and they just really put together this very values-based, it was very much this, we're taking them on, look at us on the front lines. And they just came, they were just so excellent at kind of building this kind of values-based, really great marketing, and they grew exponentially. So again, it was a similar kind of environment. There was lots of chaos and other things going on in the world. Organizations like Greenpeace were able to flourish in that environment, even with the cokes of the world also. So then, shockingly enough, we're experiencing a very similar situation. Donald Trump is examples, there's other examples around the world. Similar, this is from the BBC, exactly the same sort of uh, commentaries of what was happening in that time period. Um, voters were feeling, particularly rural voters, other Americans were feeling that the elites were, you know, not listening to them and there was this complete backlash. So, similarly, what's also been going on is that early 70s wave has just taken off around the world, particularly in North America, but you'll see it around the world. So everywhere you're looking now, and think about it, the values are, communi are communicated from social enterprises. You can see, you know, Tom's, for example, buying products, you go into a store, you can buy a particular type of water, but it's also communicating, but then also tons of advertising. Take your pick, look at the corporations. They're not talking about products anymore, they're all talking about values, and this is one of the reasons why we're finding as a sector harder and harder to fundraise because we are competing against Nike. Um, so, just on that note, they are, again, like I was saying, they are not doing it for mean reasons, they are doing it for money. 
One of the reasons why it was very attractive for them to partner with charities a while ago was because they realized having our brands partnering with us was good for their bottom line. Yes, there's probably great people in corporations that were caring, but at the end of the day, it was really about understanding that the power of giving back and driving people to have that based on their values and what they believe is actually gonna help their bottom line. So, we're gonna show you some of these videos. We'd like to sort of think about who these brands are. It's Airbnb. So what is missing from that? Oh, I don't know. A nice place, a wonderful vacation destination. Absolutely nowhere. They are completely full on doing what you might be thinking a charity would be marketing with. So this is exactly a huge international group completely focusing on values because they know where the money is. So um, that's one example. This is Airbnb. Um, you probably all know this one already as well. If people say your dreams are crazy, if they laugh at what you think you can do, good. Stay that way. Because what non-believers fail to understand is that calling a dream crazy is not an insult. It's a compliment. Don't try to be the fastest runner in your school or the fastest in the world. Be the fastest ever. Don't picture yourself wearing OBJ's jersey. Picture OBJ wearing yours. Don't settle for homecoming queen or linebacker. Do both. Lose 120 pounds and become an Ironman after beating a brain tumor. Don't believe you have to be like anybody to be somebody. If you're born a refugee, don't let it stop you from playing soccer for the national team at age 16. Don't become the best basketball player on the planet. Be bigger than basketball. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. When they talk about the greatest team in the history of the sport, make sure it's your team. If you have only one hand, don't just watch football, play it at the highest level. And if you're a girl from Compton, don't just become a tennis player. Become the greatest athlete ever. Yeah, that's more like it. So don't ask if your dreams are crazy. Ask if they're crazy enough. So we saw this ad sort of hit like a lightning bolt. I believe it was, what, two years ago now? Um, and, and the key line is, you know, stand for something even if it costs you everything. And we know that's codified language, right? Like we know what he's saying there. We know he's saying Trump. We know he's saying African-Americans dying. We know what that's, what that's all about. And so Nike is sitting there and co-opting that. And what did that happen? That struck like a lightning bolt through the, through the, the whole of the media. We were seeing it everywhere. Um, 
So they're doing very interesting things where they're, they're, they're leveraging this in, in very specific ways to talk about their brand. And again, as, as Chris was saying, these are spaces that we, that we own, that we live in, we, we work on. I mean, and, and also the, prob the problematic thing is we also, we're hearing things coming out of you know, Nike now that's saying, yeah, they'll sponsor you unless you're a pregnant woman. You know, so we're, we're giving the power to these, these companies that are also sort of problematic and doing problematic work. And they're, they're living in our space and it's working. It's working. So here's another example. This one was uh, pretty, this one's pretty interesting. I don't know if you've seen this one. They it's pulled it down pretty quickly. If you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's a new definition of greatness. By giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody can be great. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know the theory of relativity to serve. seen that? Has everyone seen that? So the Shocking. first time they're seeing it? Yes, using Martin Luther King to sell a truck. Yes. Yeah, it, it, they, so they got, there was definitely some backlash here with this um, as well. I found this one interesting as well because it, I don't know if you caught it at the end. I'm not saying that this is good or bad, but there's also, there you're seeing some sort of co-opting of his words around like pro-life pro sort of things when they're talking about heartbeat and they're doing the, um, the ultrasound. So it's sort of also interesting how you can see because uh, I mean, Obviously, they know their, their demographics. They have, they're really big in red states. They have, I'm sure, like, they align themselves with conservative values. So there's some interesting code, like, codified stuff kind of happening in there as well, which I think is really interesting. So you can see how you can use the same sort of messaging and the same sort of creative to sort of speak to different, different values in different, um, in different areas. So um, I mean, this was so blatant. This was Super Bowl ad. Um, again, uh, the family wasn't too thrilled about it, um, but they really just didn't, they're not talking really at all about what the truck does. They're showing a couple of images, but they're really just tying in what it means to be a, um, a truck owner, what it means to be a Ram truck owner, and those values that you can kind of espouse and you can sort of wrap yourself in and feel when you go and spend $40,000 on a truck. Is anyone seeing any, is there any other examples that anyone has seen? Does this kind of resonate? You're seeing this sort of thing? Yeah? Yeah? Yes. Yeah, and I actually didn't see that. My husband did. And my husband's like, did you see the Gillette? It was awesome. I just got an email from the gap. Right, exactly, and they and the Gap has more money than probably you know Human Rights Watch, well, or and a lot of other you know like grassroots charities, LGBTQ charities out there as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
So one of the questions that we're also often asked is why? So why is all of a sudden, it feels in the last few years, these corporations are going big time into the altruism, empathy, compassion, which is traditionally fundraising, charity, nonprofit. The main reason, as I was saying, is money, but really getting to understand what's happening. So key demographics that they are after are younger. So everyone talks about, you know, we need to reach out to millennials and younger generations. I mean, all of our direct mail donors are in the 50s and 60s. This would be partly why um, a lot of those younger demographics are harder to get at, because corporations are fixated on getting those groups and they've researched them to death so they understand what they care about and what they need to do. Hence, and we'll explain it a bit more, hence why you're seeing all this type of advertising. This is the advertising that's gonna work to get younger generations. You might pause and you go, well, why are they chasing this younger demographic? It's a similar conversation that we have in charities and nonprofits where we're saying, well, all the money is with our boomers and everything else. But the reason they're thinking is they see them as brand malleable. So that means if someone's 50 or 60, yes, I kind of fall into that. I was set in my ways. I was complaining about tea uh, just earlier when I'm like, I scones. always need my particular tea. And that probably happened Why to me when I, was, when I was 15. <laughs> so I'm like set in my ways. Their impression is that a 15, a 16, a 17, even into your 20s, aren't set in their ways. So that's why they fixate on them and they're thinking, okay, we need to get them hooked. They need to think Nike is so cool and really cares about their values, so they'll be buying their shoes for life. So that's why they're chasing them. Um, so they see us as over. So here's an example of, so millennials are key. If you ignore them at your peril, we have another talk where we were discussing this is that what's happening a lot, think about this, a lot of corporations are going after them like no tomorrow, but there's also other forms of ways of giving, which are also, they're, they're very generous, but they're gonna be doing things like crowdfunding and um, you know, social enterprises, you know, using social media like no tomorrow, which a lot of the traditional uh, fundraising organizations or nonprofits and charities aren't necessarily paying attention to. So you think about it, if, if it's true, this brand malleability, um, if we aren't paying attention to them, they're gonna be set in their ways and then they're going to look at you in like 20 years when they are a multi-million dollar and they say, oh, you want to name that wing after me? Where were you when I was 19 and I was signing all these great petitions online? I don't remember you. I'm gonna give and continue to buy my Nike shoes because I'm cool and I'm, I am making a difference in the world. They, they don't trust traditional advertising. They love third-party advertisements. They love things like YouTube and personalities. They want an experience rather than a product. Um, they really like to think that they are doing their personal style. So think about a lot of this advertising. It's very much about, you know, we share your values. You're communicating your values. So even that Ram truck was trying to do, if you buy a Ram truck, that says a lot about you. You're this kind of great revolutionary kind of person that's standing up and you're amazing as you drive around the world. So it's kind of getting people to associate that lifestyle. And again, they are, they are by far the largest group of 7.3 million millennials in Canada since the boomers. So again, pay attention to the advertising and marketing because if we don't, they are the millionaires of tomorrow, so. And I mean, to, and sorry to be, and not to interrupt, but it's also millennials aren't even all that young anymore. What's like the, how, like the, it's their millennials 81. are like 30 now, right? Yeah. And up, so I know we keep talking about millennials and we've sort of been talking about millennials for like 10 years now and millennials are like, oh, we're now, you know. Um, and Gen Z. And so now it's, yeah, it's even, it's even younger. And the other, another key point too is that, that 
Um, it's also creating a sense of belonging, right? It's also creating a sense of joining something, being a part of something. It's that whole sort of sense of, of not wanting, you know, your, that FOMO. You don't want to miss out. You want to be part of something. You want to be part of a movement. You want to be joining with your fellow Canadians. Um, you want to be joining with your fellow Canadians that care about the specific thing. And that feeling of inclusivity, you want to wrap around your organization, around your, um, your campaigns. Join us. Yeah. Um, another reason why this is really happening and why it's very apparent in Canada is, I mean, we say this, but it is, it is um, shown time and time again. Canadians embrace equality, they embrace immigration, are they increasingly more tolerant, particularly when relevant, I mean, I'll just be frank to the US, with all the survey and other things, but other places around the world. So we very much have, you know, we obviously have our own issues pop up from time to time, but I think as a whole, you know, we don't have the same sort of level of this Trump and, you know, Brexit or you name it, not to the same extent. It's there, but it's not quite to the same extent. So again, it, it's like this form of advertising, this form of values is very important, particularly to Canada. So yeah, Michael Adams just wrote a book. Um, there has been, I mean, we hear it, right? Is, are there concerns that there's a rise happening in Canada? Because we can't, as much as we want to and sit here and be like, oh, we're above all this. We know that we're not. We know that some of this happens. But there is research. This book just came out. There is research that shows that, in general, Canada is still a very tolerant country. In general, Canada um, is still very accepting, generally liberal. Um, so we still, even though we might be hearing in the media these trends, and, and absolutely we should be aware of what's going on with these certain fringe groups, but um, we're not seeing the we're not seeing like the wave um, necessarily that they are seeing in the, in the states. And, and as well too, I mean, the, the, there's um, research that shows in the states too that that it, the general population is actually more much more liberal than in terms of social liberal um, than necessarily is shown and what we're seeing with you know with whole abortion debates and whatever going on in the states right now. But um, in general, Canada is fairly liberal. Um, so a bit, we've already started talking about this, but really, and we say the brand, and we say this a lot because when we're, you might think, oh, brand, talking about the corporation, you're definitely, every organization has a brand. So you take your pick, you know, Plaid Canada, Sick Kids, regardless, going down, hospital, you're a brand too. Particularly as we're dealing with this issue, their senses of values and people are going to want to see their values, their altruism, they're going to want to think that they're making an impact. So what values-based marketing is doing particularly for corporations, because they can't necessarily do to the same level, demonstrate the impact that they're doing in these areas. But so it allows to build a sense of integrity, building trust. It's like appealing to this ideal version of themselves, you know, along, you know, apart from just being beautiful, successful, happy, it's also just this kind of idea of, you know, you're a better person. So after seeing that great Nike ad, um, they're going after going like, I'm buying Nike products. I care about this stuff. I'm a better person. So it also appears to be a lot more transparent about who the company is. So you're also, they're kind of laying a stake in the ground saying this is what our values are, this is what we care about. So even some of the other controversial things that they're dealing with, you know, where things are being made, production lines, et cetera, with their advertising, they're immediately just kind of getting people to say, these are the values that they care about, that's what I care about, so I'm gonna associate myself with them. And again, bringing it back to a fundraising and corporate perspective, I mean, a fundraising or a nonprofit perspective, we're trying to get people who care about the world to have altruism and have empathy and have values about their community to give to us. 
And if you think about it, they're suddenly being offered a win-win instead. They can say like, I can have my amazing pair of shoes and I can also be a social justice warrior. I don't need to give to you anymore. I can do this instead. Um, so another reason is uh, why they're going on, and we're going to talk a bit more about the younger generations, but Canadians are very progressive. So this is just demonstrating the values. So if you're chasing values, you're chasing money, you want to see people feeling represented. So 46% of Canadians, which is unusually high in the world, believe that immigration is having a, a, positive, a very mostly positive effect. Um, the biggest defenders of immigration are Canadians aged 18 to 34. So again, what we're trying to emphasize is overall, there's this liberalness in Canada and more progressive values. But as you go younger, it's more and more and more. So corporations are attuned to that. Those brand malleable 19 year olds, they'll laugh at you if you start saying, you know, transgendered people don't have a right to their washroom. They'll look at you and be like, well, what are you talking about? So they're very progressive and corporations are aware of that. So that's why the Gap is sending out that ad. That's why they're doing these different things, because they want to say, we share your values, oh, 55% of you uh, young 18 to 34 year olds that care about immigration, for example, and think it's positive. We're demonstrating that we share your values. So here's a couple uh, other examples. So Canadian society should work towards great acceptance of people who are LGBT. Again, when you look in the world, 64% of Canadians are saying yes to that. It's changed in a few short years, but even when you compare around the world, Canada is very much significantly more progressive. When it comes to doctor-assisted dying, um, it should be easier for individuals, Canadians, to make their own end-of-life decisions. 73% are saying yes to that. And just, again, to emphasize, this is why corporations are, are chasing that younger demographic. This is on diversity. Uh, minorities should, should do more to fit in better with mainstream Canadian society. You'll just see that there's this huge drop-off when people 55 plus are, quote-unquote, almost twice as less progressive as people in the 18 to 34 market. So chasing those brand malleable people, they all know we need to be uh, demonstrating our values and have these great marketing campaigns to get them. And I, I mean, and the other thing too to think about as well is we can start capturing them younger. Hopefully, the, those bars shrink down too as they get older. <laughs> so um, another question that then people ask us, and this is actually the case for both Canada and the US. Well, if all of us are so progressive and all of these youth are so progressive, why do these conservative governments and conservative policies seem to keep coming out? Um, and the reason is actually definitely for a North American perspective is it's due to quirks of the electoral system. And this is another reason why corporations couldn't give a, a whatever for, um, for what the political system is saying. It's not about elections. They are completely tuned to demographics. So it's all money. They know that the younger demographics, they know that the vast majority think this way. So they ignore politics and they're focusing on the values of most people. So some of the reasons, um, this is just to give you one example. I love PEI, we're not picking on PEI, but just to demonstrate some of the quirks of the electoral system. If you think about it, the population of PEI, 146,000 people, that's the size of the population of my neighborhood. They have four MPs. Um, if you compare it, say, to four ridings in Toronto, downtown Toronto, that's basically half a million people. They have four MPs as well. So if you start thinking about some of the quirks in the political system, 
Um, you're effectively, if you happen to live in PEI, you have four to five times the, 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 your voice is stronger in national politics. So if you're wondering why there might be a disconnect between the electoral system and what values the country has, it's these kind of weird quirks from an antiquated system that's the reason for it. Still, and, and, and Toronto has, I mean, four to five times the amount of money, right? If you look at people and we're looking at spending power, although they might not have the same amount of political voice, there's, there's a lot more people that donate and buy shoes. And if you often find yourself wondering, uh, maybe there are some Trump fans, but if you're often wondering going, why, why is that happening? I know lots of Americans, they're amazing. Why is this happening? Um, this would be why. If you look at California, a population of 39 million, they have two senators. Um, if you compare it to Wyoming, population half a million people, they have two senators. So effectively, 78 times the voice of Wyoming. So again, the, it's, not, it's a quirk of these electoral systems that aren't necessarily representing what the actual values of the society as a whole believe. So corporations are doing their research, they understand this, but this would be the reason why there's a disconnect. This is a little bit more. Hmm? Okay, sorry. Uh, so we kind of were already talking about this a bit, and we were talking a lot about this it's almost a bit of an existential threat that may be happening to the fundraising and nonprofit sector. We haven't put up any of the stats, but probably a lot of you have seen, you know, percentage of people giving to charities is down, there's things happening, um, but other things are taking off, like these sort of foundations are taking off, social enterprise are taking off, you know, corporations are doing all these like side partnerships. I think we were just talking about, we got on a flight with Air Canada and they were doing a coin collection. Um, what used to happen was charities used to be partners, but the difference now is because of how um, much there is a benefit to them, uh, corporations are starting to do their own thing. So they're just kind of like, they used to invite you in and be like, oh, you've got a great brand. Um, now they're just like, no, we just have our own children's charity, we'll do it. And yes, you might be able to get grants and other things like that. But the key is if you think about where this might end up, what does this mean? Um, particularly with these younger generations, once the boomers and others who really understand the importance of giving have passed on, hopefully giving you huge legacies, um, once they have passed on, what, how, are these, how are these individuals, these younger generations going to behave? They have been asked whenever they check out to give to the PC Children's Charity, you know, for example. They have been buying different types of shoes. They've been doing all sorts of different things. They've been seeing all these great ads from Nike, et cetera, who have been all over social media, targeting influencers, et cetera. They aren't even really going to understand in the same way about why they should be giving to charities. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what does this mean for us? Um, so we really think that charities can position themselves um, now that they have the potential to become marquee brands, really sort of learning from what these corporations are doing and applying that to their own branding, their own marketing, their own campaigns. Again, so many cha uh, charities are looking to their donor demographics and we know that our, our demographics who are giving to us are a little bit older. We're looking to expand. We're looking to grow. We're looking to go into more mass marketing. So 
how can they um, appeal to this to this group without having a rock star, without having you know a spokesperson? And to be quite honest, we also see that spokespeople. I mean, there's always exceptions. In in, in my experience, we see that spokespeople um, aren't always necessarily um, the best to use. You have to kind of vet tons of things. They might want to say certain things. They might not be available, et cetera, et cetera. So we don't. And, and it's not necessarily about what a spokesperson or what a um, a celebrity says. It's much about who you are and what you represent and what you're trying to do as um, in your mission. Um, so we we feel and we're seeing in, in some of the work that we're doing um, that values-based marketing can really help solve this problem. Um, traversing the cool barrier and really leading the resistance uh, or really leading the charge around resistance and change. Um, so what we first would sort of look at is market research. So understanding, um, first of all, really understanding your um, mission and your charity beyond necessarily like boots on the ground, what you actually do. So you know, you people may understand what what you do in terms of delivering food to the homeless, in terms of like trying to conserve land, trying to you know um, rehabilitate and rehome animals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But what does that really mean? What does it mean to be an animal? I come from animal welfare. So what does it mean to be an animal welfare charity? I mean, you know, does it mean love? Does it mean um, building your family, growing your family? Does it mean compassion to living, um, to living animals? So just sort of going beyond um, what, your, uh, what you actually do, which is fantastic, which we know that, that is really making a difference, and what the root of your values are as an organization. What do you believe in? Um, so, so do your research, because these corporations are doing theirs. Um, so what does that mean? So persona development um, and market research, uh, it can really allow you to understand your demographics, the psychographics um, of who your supporters are. And we'll talk a little bit quickly about how to do that. So one idea is, or one thing that we do is cluster um, analysis we really like. So it's like looking at your database, pulling your, um, your postal codes, putting drops around where those individuals live, and then doing some research to find more individuals like those and understanding, also understanding who are those people that live in that neighborhood and those postal codes and what do they believe in. There's ways that you can do that. Um, and this is even, I mean, I, we, we love this. We even think this is even better. This is a, do an audience survey. So we do these all the time. Um, you can do it for very, very cheap, if not free, if you want to do something simple through, say, something like SurveyMonkey, um, if you have a database. Um, and ask them questions. You know, what what do they care about? Um, what sort of media do they do they look at? What do they read? What do they believe? Who are they? Um, what do they care about? And in in addition to also, you know, building a, a robust uh, audience under understanding of your supporters, it also it's a really good just stewardship and engagement piece to be asking them because then they're like, oh, they actually care about what I think, and you do care about what you think, and you want to be able to talk to them better. Like you might be talking to them about. Um, again, animal welfare, about you know, how many dogs you rescue, and they just want to hear the story of the one puppy. You, know, you don't necessarily know, this may be a bad example, but, um, or maybe all you're doing is talking about dogs and they care about cats, or they care about wildlife. Um, 
so it's really it's it's a it's a fairly painless thing to do. One just tip that um, we we like to to note is if you are if you have a CRM and you're doing um, audience research, make sure that your questions and your question answers align with your CRM because you want to import some of the stuff into your CRM. So it's just, if your if your CRM is separated by age um, by age separators, um, just make sure you're asking those same things. Just tip. All right, what's next? Oh, personas, Persona. that's fun. So um, personas are, so when you have this research, we find it's really handy to build out personas. You guys have personas for your, yeah? Um, so you learn all this stuff and then you basically wrap it in a bow and develop it into a fictional person. So um, what their, their demographics, their behavior patterns, their motivations, their goals, what kind of media do they look at? Are they direct mail individuals? Are they uh, digital folks? Do they like traditional? That sort of thing. Definitely more than one persona and you can build different journeys and different communication plans around them depending on your capacity. Um, and it really will help you sort of lead them and guide them. So here's a quick example of one that we've done. This is Anna. Um, so here we were looking at um, reaching out through social media to a younger, a younger audience, um, savvy, wealthy, um, what she cares about, really interesting around, start getting about um, social value, um, pursuit of um, originality, uh, need for status recognition, social learning. So status, rec status recognition we're seeing a lot, which is like proving your social clout through social media. That's through sharing, through talking about it, through, again, demonstrating what your values are. Okay. Oh, this is back to you. Okay. So now we're going to show you examples. So um, there are examples that, particularly in the U.S., and perhaps there's a sense of urgency very much in the U.S., there are definitely examples of charities that are um, starting to, uh, I really understand values-based marketing and really communicating this. So we have a couple examples from the US and also one that we worked on here in Canada. So first one is the ACLU. Dear President-elect Trump. When you take the presidential oath, we the people will also take an oath. I do solemnly swear to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. So that we can all speak freely. Because I want to continue to be proud of the country I live in. To protect our land. To reclaim democracy. Because I love this place. Join us. Take the oath. So yeah, again, you can immediately start seeing, actually harking back to that first Coke video, it's again that same sort of values, community, harmony, taking a stand. Um, ACLU, as probably lots of people know, are doing very well right now in these times. They're raising significant amounts of money. They are very attuned to having this really thought through brand, communicating values constantly. Um, the next, we have another example. This is the... Yeah, and I just also just wanted to point out too that at the end of that video, there is a call to action to do some lead generation as well. So we know that taking taking someone to, do, to or asking someone to take an oath is important, that's meaningful, but when you do that, you're also getting their name and their email and, and another, maybe their phone number. Yeah, and another thing that we haven't really talked about is just like what we were saying um, the corporations weren't doing, like uh, Coke wasn't saying it tastes really great, it's amazing. You need to buy Coke because we have more sugar than this other software uh, or this other soft drink. They weren't doing that. Just like the ACLU, 
they're not kind of doing this project by project basis. They're doing this overarching values. They aren't saying, we have this, this issue in, in Georgia and we really need you to help. They do some of that clearly, but overall they're thinking more globally about values and communicating values more clearly. They're not kind of jumping project, 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 project. It's getting that stake in the ground. You care about this stuff, join us, we care too. It's like much more of this movement, this overarching value. And you're gonna see in the next, uh, the next example, we're gonna show a really good example of that um, because this is actually about a specific campaign, but you're seeing that she's gonna start speaking on a, very, on a much sort of larger sort of values-based level. Equality is just incredibly important because it is the basis of how we think about, treat, and respect individuals. And we have to make sure that both equality and equity are there in everything so people can access the services they need and so they can be treated like whole human beings. I'm an immigrant woman of color and I faced racism, sexism, discrimination my whole life and there are so many people that face this on multiple levels and LGBTQ communities in particular are the tip of the spear right now. Every great thing in this country that we have ever won is because people are courageous enough to tell their stories, to come forward and demand something better, and to organize and to build the broadest, most diverse coalition so that nobody can stop it. That is the power of the people, and that's what's always won. If other members of Congress are not yet on board, they should get on board because this is a critical protection against discrimination, and it is core to who we are as Americans, that no matter the color of your skin, no matter your gender identity, no matter where you were born or what zip code you're from, you get equal protection under the law, and that's what the Equality Act does. It's not a Democrat or a Republican issue. It is a human issue. It is an American issue, and it's time for us all to pass the Equality Act. So this is human rights campaign, this LGBTQ charity. She did mention it, she mentioned it once. Um, you can see that she's, she's talking a, a lot more about a sort of a more global um, issue, right? So it's, more, it's not about being, you know, it's not necessarily, I mean, it is about supporting LGBTQ um, rights, but it's more than that. It's about being American. Right? It's about believing in something. It's about being part of a community that wants something better for the world. You don't have to be a Republican, you don't have to be a Democrat. It's all about being equal, which is a uh, you know, fundamental tenet to, to who you are as, as an American. Yeah, so this next one is actually one that we worked on with Amnesty International Canada. So here's a Canadian example for you. Um, again, the difference is, if you're familiar with Amnesty, they're very project specific. So they would say, this is happening to the Rohingya. This is in Iran, help us specifically. So this was thinking and the brief was coming up with more of that values base and coming at it from a more global. So saying to people, of course, we're gonna be working on all these different projects, but more along the lines of, these are your values, we share your values, you care about these things in the world, so join us. It's a much more communicating values. Justice doesn't just happen. Freedom isn't always given. Equality doesn't yet apply to everyone. Change has to be fought for, grabbed hold of, held onto. That's why we need you to stand up for what's right, to help us reach more people and have a greater impact. Join Amnesty International and be the cause of change.
And if you're wondering, did it work? It did. <laughs> um, okay. This is you. That's me. All right. <laughs> um, so, so what are so what are we actually you know what are we re really trying to do here? I mean, we're talking a lot about what we're trying to do, but really engage and leverage. So we're looking. Um, to we're looking to create messages that really speak to and and drive your supporters into action. Um, if if you're not um, if if you're not really um, telling them what to do and you're not giving them a clear call to action, we'll talk a little bit more about this. Your messages can fall flat. So um, we. And so we see this a little bit in, in Nike, um, and I'll talk a little bit about this in the first slide, but I'll jump in now. Um, you know, the, we can't, as, as charities, we, we, we can't go to the charity store, right? We can't go to the donation store. People know where to go to get Nike. People know where to go to get, you know, um, Airbnb, you go to their, their website. You know where, where to um, pick up trucks. Um, but we have to be really careful and deliberate when we're putting out their messages that we're actually driving people to action and that action equals something that's important for your organization. So is it um, you're driving monthly donors? Is it you want one-time gifts? Is it you want lead gen? We really um, find this is very successful when building lead gen, so to build your files and then you want to push that into your, um, your conversion channels through telemarketing or through your digital conversion channels or things like that. But that's really, it's about capturing those people that care and then you can start to to continue having that conversation with them. Um, and yeah, and it's important not to get stuck on the in the medium. Um, a lot of this stuff is in, uh, we, we do a lot of this stuff on social, and we'll show you this really quickly here, but it, it can really be spread out. We'll talk a little bit about integration um, in a second. So this is what I was saying here. So you can't go to the donation store. Um, so we have to have a really clear call to action, what we're asking them to take. And so here's an example. We did some um, A-B testing. Um, with the cause change campaign that we were showing, and um, we uh, we found that you know just saying like act now, um, we were only seeing a 35% only 35. That's really good. 35% conversion <laughs> rate, um, and then when we said add your name if you agree, we were seeing a 42% uh, conversion rate. So it's telling them exactly what you want them to do, so they don't need to think about anything. Say sign your name here, right? Like you know add your name do this versus like acting because people can act in lots of different ways and might mean something different so we're just finding in our testing that through this sort of you know so you get people you 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 pull them in you speak to their values and then you tell them exactly what you want them to do mm -mm. so um here's another example uh so this is uh for march of dimes um where, uh, again, this is another example of driving those personal uh, feelings. This isn't in a social justice sphere. This is around stroke recovery. So what, what if I can't cry out for help? You've had a stroke and you can no longer speak to your family. What happens after? This Giving Tuesday, give hope after stroke. And what we were kind of, we were kind of digging at here is um, that sense of having value over dignity, uh, values around dignity of people who are suffering disabilities, who had a stroke, um, dignity is about people in your uh, community, and um, a believing that fundamentally people have the right to live their best life, um, no matter what has sort of happened to them. So we were sort of getting at that here for, for Giving Tuesday last year. All right. So consistency in messaging. Um, 
So one of the things that we, we love about these value-based value -based marketing is you can campaign it. So it isn't necessarily just about putting it into one channel or um, putting it into one video, but it's taking it and it's sort of using those values to support and um, wrap or umbrella over all of the other sort of really exciting things that you're doing in, in market and doing throughout the year through your campaigns. So you know, you can think about cause change. So you can see that over a uh, direct mail piece where you maybe are talking about what's going on in Syria, and there's, there's a sort of message about what's going on in Syria, and then just at the top, you talk about cause change. Well, we're asking you as a direct mail um, donor to cause change um, for these people in Syria. Or you're looking to, um, I don't know, um, are you all in? Are you all in um, in general? Also, are you all in to uh, through this this one social media ask? So it's it's can really wrap a lot of the work that you're doing really nicely. And by also bringing in those individuals on those values base, you continue to talk to them in other channels, say through your telemarketing. So you're bringing in um, an individual because they believe in you know making the world a better place. You can have your telemarketing um, vendor starts going, hey, you know we we know that you want to make the world a better place. Come, like this is how you can this is how you can do it. Um, so it's really about building those foundations. It's about reinforcing that messaging and about really creating a fantastic journey to start stewarding and growing your relationship with your supporters because you really do I mean the other thing that's that's um, important uh, around around this idea is that idea of trust and transparency and yeah I mean maybe Mike Nike doesn't really believe in this stuff but we really do and we really live it and we really breathe it so you it's a, such a it's a great way to just speak authentically with your supporters um, about meaningful about meaningful stuff and and trustworthy stuff that you can they can trust you about because you put your money where your mouth is right you're doing it um, and so again so integration um, as you start your leads ask uh, values engaged ensure that values and uh, values languages are reflected in your telemarketing scripts your direct mail ask your video campaigns your gala opening speeches I mean really everything you put it in your signatures and your emails and just really be sort of emphasizing and reinforcing that messaging wherever wherever you go, especially if it's campaignable. There you go. And, and I it. believe that's it. Uh, any questions? Okay, let's start at the front. We, uh, our organization has uh, a good mixture of, I guess we could consider <coughs> liberal supporters and conservative supporters, mm -hmm. and we certainly want money from all of those people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, we say values-based, and a lot of the examples that we gave are obviously a very advocacy-oriented organizations, but it will be different for every type of organization. Um, for example, uh, I'll just say I, I've worked at the Nature Conservancy, for example, and it was far more about values around patriotism and love of country. So those were kind of the values that I'm emphasizing. So that's why research is key. Get to understand who your audiences are and who your priorities are and what the values they really care about and then leverage those. 
So in that case, it was the love of country, patriotism, completely different. Lots of people can rally around that, particularly in Canada. You can do patriotism in a great way. Like you can you know, be saying, look at this beautiful mountain, look at this wonderful prairie. You're not pushing anyone away, but you are definitely still harking in on those values. So it's really understanding who your key targets are, what they care about. And yes, you can have a completely positive emotion that everyone can rally about, but it's really understanding what would be the right values and the right emotions that would work for them. And you could kind of see that in the human rights campaign ad, right? When she was talking, it's not a, it's not a Democrat um, uh, issue, it's not a Republican issue, it's an American issue, it's a human issue. So um, I think that there's definitely things that you can do. Again, it kind of also goes back to that understanding the root of what your mission is, right? Um, uh, again, animal welfare, like the idea of love and family and compassion, that's not necessarily a right wing or a left wing sort of, um, you know, issue. Yeah. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think coming back to the research is again understanding who your two targets are. So one of the interesting things about the generational differences, whereas the younger demographic is very much on Instagram, for example, I'm not saying that people over 55 aren't on Instagram, but they are less on Instagram. So understanding who your target audiences are and what channels they use, you can then take overarching goals, but you could have somewhat different appeals to both of them. You obviously, if someone happens to them, they don't want to be turned off by the marketing. The reason we, we focus in on those kind of corporations is the reason why those corporations are moving into our sector is because they're chasing the younger demographic. For us, it is a bit different because we're in, this is what we do. So we've got people that care about this boomers, et cetera, um, who we need to appeal to. But also just understanding that down the road, if we don't pay attention to this, if we aren't getting this younger demographic, it's gonna be that cute moment that BlackBerry had with the iPhone or Wikipedia and your Encyclopedia Britannica. In a few years, you're wondering, where did all my major donors go? Because they've, all, they've moved on. So it's more of that long-term investment strategy. They may not pay off in the short term, but understanding that we need to worry about what's happening in five to 10 years. Are we just about to be iPhoned by Nike? Is that what's about to happen? Um, which is kind of, that's where this is coming from. Um, however, with what you're dealing with right now, understanding who your target are, build that persona. We build older personas as well and understand what channels they are and what's the right values and what's the right approach for them. You could have two slightly different campaigns, both driven by values, wouldn't alienate the other, but might resonate stronger with a different demographic. Yes.
so the March of Dimes example was wish and a dream. There was, there was like no budget. So um, it, it's just a matter of kind of, I think, going down, distilling sort of what some of those values are and writing some copy around it. Um, I mean, you could get a, a, a picture that um, represents um, some of your values and put and, and just lay some text over it uh, and put it into social and do a little boost um, with a really good call to action. I think that's that's really a key. Um, I mean, we we were talking to um, a charity, not a client, um, but they do work around um, supporting and re rehabilitating youth um, with horse therapy. I mean, oh my goodness, what an amazing. So what we would think is like talking about that animal human bond by talking about like what it means to transform your life through your love of an animal. Um, and speaking to people like me, who's an animal lover, and I'd be like, I take my money, you know. So like, there's there's an example, and it's just a matter of. So rather than say, you know, necessarily like we we help rehabilitate children, with with you know through horse, which I which also is amazing, but sort of speaking about like you know speaking to those people that really would sort of resonate um, with what would that mean, and it's very very small charity. Yeah, and there's some great brands who are smaller. Um, who don't can't put together a huge video. Some of these videos aren't that expensive. Um, we're talking a few thousand dollars. Uh, but you don't need to think that you have to be in video. It's more of just a way of thinking. Like we work with a small, in BC, we work with a small community foundation, for example. And they've really thought about how their brand, so their logo, even their logo is kind of forming this, this kind of, they, they milled the, do this kind of love thing. And they have different coloring that's like representing the geography and the colors of the, the flag and all these kind of things. They've really just thought through about the values of their community, of their thinking, even through their logo. And then all of their language flows from that, direct mail, you name it. So it's, it's understanding what your vehicles you have available to you, but your budget, but it's more along lines of, this is what we care about. These are the values that we want to communicate. And then if it's direct mail, if it's press releases, whatever it is, is even if it's just your paragraphs on the Canada Helps page, it's just understanding that you're communicating this message. So if someone comes across you and they care about these issues and they have similar values, they're going to say, this organization is me. I want to be associated with them. So that's the key. It's more along the lines of the language that you're using. And, and to your point, we would suggest don't don't invest in making a big splashy video. I mean, if you have $5,000, don't spend your whole $5,000 on making a video. Um, build some really great creative. Um, yeah, I see you nodding. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, because that's the other thing. Like, oh, make, could us, just a great, do a story make us a great video. And then it sits there on your server, right? Um, or it sits there on your YouTube page and you get 10 views. Um, so, you know, look at look at what your budget is, how you can get most bang for your buck, and then build your creative out of that that makes sense for that channel. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So um, we can do an awful lot of values-driven um, advertising, very much rooted in the internet, with legacy funding. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, big time. Um, which is absolutely in the territory of values. Yeah. Yes.
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, not to give another example, but the Nature Conservancy, for example, where I have worked, um, they are very focused on one of the reasons why patriotism and some of those values were really important. And because Canada is all about, you know, patriotism is interwoven with those landscapes. And the work of Nature Conservancy is about conservation of land. Um, so they've also got that legacy side to it. So a future for future generations. So they were able to leverage it and they've released videos and other things um, specifically for legacy giving. But what's nice about it is that they started from a place of what our overarching values are, and they kind of thought about it in different ways. So they had enough of an overarching umbrella campaign that was thinking about these key values. And then when they were thinking about legacy or they were thinking about major donors, they were able to just to spin off. So again, they're able to communicate patriotism and legacy, etc., to target planned givers. Um, but it was all still under those fundamental values. So the key, and that's another reason we didn't really emphasize enough. And there were some quirks, again, there was a reason why we did what we did for Amnesty. It wasn't just about targeting a younger demographic. It was targeting a few different demographics. Um, oddly enough, even a faith-based demographic was crucial for Amnesty. So it was very careful to think about um, who the different targets are and having a campaign that does resonate with values but will work broadly so that you can talk about different forms of giving and appeal to different types of demographics. And actually we were kind of using that um, to reverse engineer. So what we did was we went out um, with that ad and we sort of went big and then we started seeing who was actually responding to it and then we were like, oh, okay, faith-based, interesting. Um, or we actually found that people speaking, you know, speaking about like us and them, we actually found that people who were kind of socially conservative also believed in social justice. Um, and so we're like, oh, okay, uh, there might have been an assumption that people who, you know, were maybe mostly socially liberal would be into social justice, but it turns out that people who are conservative actually feel that people should have, you know, equal rights. Um, and that children should be protected. Uh, it, it, it makes sense. And I think, too, yeah, absolutely. I think when you get into legacy as well, I think the whole idea of values, when you're thinking about you know, leaving, leaving your legacy, um, leaving your, you know, um, put what you're gonna put in your will for future generations, values absolutely starts really playing into it. Um, for sure, it's a, it's important. I mean, we, we talked about you know we talked about the the younger generation as as sort of Chris was saying um, because it's a it's a way in, but this 100% resonates across across the board. And I but I also think the key which you brought up, which is really important as well, is making sure that you're not just talking about values willy nilly and you're connecting it to what you do as an organization and you're connecting those dots leading to a very clear call to action that's that's very key because we 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 do see um some values-based work uh where they're just sort of speaking to the values but they're not saying and now we need you to do this so that's a really that's a really key point you saw that with you know with human rights um campaign where they they said text uh where you saw it in um in ACLU, when they, there's a, an app, or I think it was like a, a app or something where you make an oath and then you saw it with the cause change where we actually did a, we did a pledge um, and we also did a, uh, a give now. Yes. 
Yeah, so I mean, it's it's really just comes down to, again, uh, being as straightforward as you can. We just actually launched a campaign uh, 48 hours ago. Um, it's using doing really this, well. <laughs> yeah, it's doing really well. And um, it's, uh, we said sign up versus, or sign your name versus um, join us. Yeah. So it's really just thinking as literally, and if you want, you can test it, right? I mean, there's, especially if you're in, if you're in social, you're in digital, it's really easy to test um, or t in an email. Uh, so, so test it. We just find again and again that at, like taking it down to its most like literal um, is often, um, is often the best. And I, I know uh, like we often live and breathe it so much that we just think, oh, of course, when you mean join us, we know what you, we obviously know what that means. How could you not know what that means? Or, but it, it, or act now, like we might know what act now means, right? We know what it means to act, but you know, the person who's on, on their phone, on the subway somewhere who just wants to, you know, and you want to capture, they might not, it's an extra thing they have to think about. Yeah, low barrier asks are definitely the trend, but you need to, if you're going to do a low barrier ask, and so that's the sign Conversion. on lead generation, sign our petition, do this kind of thing. It's really just getting, I mean, they used to refer to it as stickiness. It's really just getting people to say, yes, I care, and give you their information. That's digitally, at least, that's one of the main vehicles of doing it. But the key is that you need to have the conversion and the welcome strategy after it. So you need to make sure that they're welcomed, and you need to have, whether it's a call center or other channels or DM, you name it, ready to go and in place. So that when they are saying yes and you're getting the name, that you've got these conversion strategies going as well at the same time. And so this is really great to get your monthlies up, to start building your monthly file. It's way in. And I, uh, just a final thought, I mean, I just talked that was the digital, but we are also just fans of kind of thinking about all the different channels that you have and having them all to interact. And by channels, that includes your PR, that includes your media releases, that includes speaking opportunities, so that they're talking about the same sort of issues. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I think That's it. Oh, we had oh, time. Okay. Oh, we're out of Yay. Scaring, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chris, thank you for presenting and delivering a wonderful oh, um, presentation for us <laughs> thank today. You. Um, as a thank you from AFP, they are making a donation to a charity of your choice. Oh. So thank you. Chris. Thank you very much. And as a reminder for everyone else here to fill out the evaluation either on the app or the um, paper copy on the table, that would be great. And then head over to lunch, which is this way, and try to get the best table in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.